Welcome to For the Record, an unfiltered view on current trends and timeless advice for surviving in the aesthetics industry. Whether you're an injector, practice owner, sales rep, or marketer, it's time to set the record straight. Each week, we cut through the chaos and showcase diverse perspectives and winning ideas from the best minds in the industry. I'm your host, Dr. Tiffany Hall, Chief Growth Officer at Aesthetic Record. Now, let's get started on this week's episode. Welcome back to For the Record, your unfiltered view for surviving in aesthetics. We have a very special guest today, somebody who I've known for quite some time that does phenomenal work, who has just recently transitioned to a new company, a new venture, and is taking our industry by storm. So those of you who know me know that I love video, I love audio, I love all things graphics and content and media. And we have today with us Jared Rohr, who is an expert in that and the owner and founder of Really Good Content, which intuitively makes us know that it's going to be really good content. So we, we hope, we hope so, right? We, we should be the experts on this. So if you guys, if you're watching this on YouTube later and you see us, we have softboxes, cameras, we have everything all set up here. So we're like dueling cameras right now about how good our setups can be. But Jared is the expert and I've talked about him a lot on my webcasts and webinars for AR and our Instagram lives. So we are happy to have him in the flesh live today on our podcast. So welcome, Jared. We're happy to have you today. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. Well, you've been doing a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. And so I would love to just kind of give our, our listeners a little bit of background about you and what you're doing, your current venture, and yeah, all things really good content. Yeah. So I've kind of been interested. Thank you so much, by the way. I'm just so honored. Literally, you're like a hero of mine. So like being on this podcast is just so fun. Um, I'm so blushing. I, I'm blushing. <laughs> so I've been building content for different companies over the past, I would say 10 years, something like that. And just for myself, since I was in high school, I was interested in video and creativity. I went to school for music and I realized during college that my passion wasn't necessarily music, but it was creativity. And music was simply the most adequate outlet that I had found to express that. And so kind of throughout my professional career, I bounced from job to job to job, leveraging creative positions. My most recent one was with Dr. Shino Bay Aguilera. I was its executive assistant and kind of one of his creative designers. And, um, you know, he has a main marketing manager and then I was just designing a lot of his content. And so I was working with him for about three years and throughout that process, I kind of picked up a lot of side clients to the point where I was making some really serious cash on the side to where I was like, um, I'm going to be really tax liable for this. <laughs> so I should name this thing. Uh, so my wife and I were just sitting talking and we were like, oh, we can call it Jared Incorporator, Jared and Monica or the creative, whatever, or whatever. And I'm like, what if we just call it what it is? It's really good content. So we found that. And I'll tell you what, we got that domain for 12 bucks. It like went for auction that day on GoDaddy. <laughs> so we found a really good content kind of back in November of 2019. And um, around February, went full time as a business owner um, just because we had picked up too much. And what we decided to do, because I had just had such a well-rounded experience in creating video, photo, graphics, web, managing social media projects or whatever it was, or even marketing projects or e-blasts or anything like that. I had such a wide experience with all that that I said, you know, what, we should offer that as an as, as us being kind of the in-house branding team for other companies. And so what we did over the past month, um, just with like with no funding or anything like that, but we, um, we've hired on about 10 employees within the past, like I think uh, two months we've hired on about uh, 10 employees and we're looking at a couple more that we're looking to hire um, just because we're just getting too much business, which is so great. A lot of, I, I feel a little bad because during the pandemic, a lot of businesses have suffered a ton, but so many people have had to pivot 
and get digital content out for their company and re and revisit that, that like for us, it's just been probably the, the, the best time and the most profitable time for, um, for us. And so really good content is kind of a, a an all inclusive brand management house for people. We can do everything, which is what we're finding with a lot of our partners that they love is that we can, we can service, you know, their website, but if they need a quick photo shoot for their, uh, for their product to go on the website, we can do that really quick for them, or we can do some awesome graphics. So we have an excellent copywriter on, on retainer as well, um, with our company. So we kind of just offer the full suite for, anything somebody might need uh, for branding. Does that kind of answer your your, uh, little intro? (laughs) For sure, because I'm thinking about, you said something that is kind of off the topic, but the domain name. I'm helping someone think through a new name for business, and the domain name is so critical. If you can't get the domain name, you can't name it that. Like, you just can't do it. How funny is that? There is a, there's a company I'm working with right now and they're huge over in Europe and they're like, Hey, can you get us a domain for America? Um, I won't say their name because they're not announcing the project that they're doing, but they said, Oh, we'll call it our name America. And I'm like, there's actually another really popular brand that has purchased almost every variation of that domain name because there's a popular brand here that is very similar. Um, and they're like, well, what do we do? And I was like, there's one available for five grand. If you want to, you know, drop some money on it. And they're like, well, I guess we have to. It's crazy. You know, people don't think about that, but as you think about good content, period, and, and branding a company, a domain name is like you, the holy grail. You must have it. So, oh, yeah, that little side nugget of knowledge there for us as we go. I was on, I was listening to a podcast, and the guy with diapers.com was there, oh. and he purchased diapers.com. He had been, he had been just wholesaling from Costco, selling diapers for the longest time. And then when he got, uh, diapers.com i think it cost him eight hundred thousand dollars at the time oh good god because he just wanted to be the guy that had diapers.com i mean you're buying the best real estate possible yeah yeah of course that's why all the the dot ios are big now the dot apps the dot orgs the dot nets because we're just out of dot coms exactly but i digress so you built this amazing team you're growing quickly now you're an employer and a business owner which is definitely a shift it's crazy and i think what you said about covid is so true as we looked at brands across the country, our own practices who use our our software, just brands in the industry, practices in the industry, digital content became everything. And I think a lot of people were left unsure of how to do it. They didn't know where to start. They didn't know what good content really meant or what, what all that in, you know encompasses. So can you walk us through, when you look at something with your creative eye at day one, level one, what are things you want to see on like a, an Instagram graphic or even on a video? Is it lighting? Is it is it the frame? What are the things that we should be thinking about? Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think when we think of good content, we tend to um, make it synonymous with art. And I believe art and content are two separate uh, two separate fields. I believe that art you can have just for the sheer sake of feeling good about it, which is awesome. And I believe when it comes to creating really good content, the biggest thing is that it needs to effectively communicate your message uh, clearly and beautifully. So it's kind of where functionality and design meet is where your content needs to be. You need to be an effective communicator. And, and everything that I teach any of our clients or anybody that's trying to create something for themselves, um, I will teach them like the functionality of being very clear with their design. It's about clarity. And so things like having a good amount, and we'll talk about this in a second or a little later, I bet, um, is the principle of contrast and making sure that people understand how to separate themselves. So if it's a video, for example, for the video that you're seeing right now, I'm shooting out my Sony a7 III and I've got a pretty low aperture on it and I'm zoomed in a little bit on myself, which allows for a little bit of a blur in the background, which makes me hyper distinct. 
And because of that, the subject is focusing or the, the, the viewer is focusing directly on the subject. If I have everything else in focus or I have every, or I have a ton of other things going on, or if the rest of the background was black and I'm wearing this black shirt, I'm going to blend right in. You know, maybe my face will kind of like float a little bit, um, but I, I'd, I'd blend right in. So anyways, a, a, one thing is A, make sure that you communicate clearly and B, uh, lean into maybe that principle of contrast to, to get that excellent content. Well, I love that you mentioned your camera angle because we've done, I don't know, during COVID, 5,000 webinars, webcast, IG Live, et cetera. And it's always so interesting to me to see people who come on to a webcast webinar, they have terrible lighting, you can't see them, you can't hear them. And for me, it's just such an important part of, of your production quality. You don't have to have professional things if you can't afford them, but you can at least have really good headphones, a good mic, at least a good ring light for 100 bucks off of Amazon. So I think we've learned a lot about how we look on Zoom in our recent recent times here. But I think the other part of that, too, is like, what kind of things do we need? If we had to buy like a light or you mentioned your camera that you just talked about, what are things if I have a toolkit as a, a novice content creator, what are things I have to have in that toolkit? So I would get a good soft box. Um, ring lights are cool, but I'm not personally a big fan of the huge ring that it creates around people's eyes. I think it looks unnatural. But a soft box, which is what I've got kind of over here, creates a really nice cast over your face. There's no like, see how there's no real harsh shadows or anything like that? Like it's really soft spread out shadows on my face. Um, it creates just this beautiful little soft light on your face and it looks very cinematic and pretty. Ring lights, I found, they really like wash out all the shadows from your face. They don't really give you an extra, like, so with this, I'm getting a little bit of a jawline cut, which is nice. Um, and it's showing like extra little shadows that are making my face look a little nicer. And so one, I would get a good soft box. I think I bought this one for 80 bucks on Amazon. You don't have to spend a lot of money to get a good soft box. There are some that you can buy for $900 if you want, but this guy was 80 bucks, no big deal. A good camera is awesome. And honestly, if you're doing podcasting, you're doing online stuff, a good microphone is so crucial because people will watch people will watch a bad video with good audio, but they will not watch a good video with bad audio ever. So baseline it with the audio. Just say that again one more time. Say that one more time for the audience to hear. <laughs> people will watch a they people will watch a bad video with good audio thinking that maybe the bad video is just buffering but they will not watch a good video with bad audio they will stop right now because they can't understand what they're saying and that's the basis that's the basis for any media as we're trying to communicate and if you can't basically communicate with any audio they're not watching you know I totally agree. I wear these little in-ear things so that you don't see my headphones. I've contemplated getting the big podcast headphones, but I'm a little bit more chic. But I think that the microphone in podcasting is a really cool accessory, and it probably could be on Zoom. I personally use a Blue Yeti microphone for things at home, like a boom mic when I do my own like personal Zoom calls. But here we use a lavalier, which is very inexpensive. You can get those, hook them into your iPhone, frankly, and they do a really nice job. But I think your scenery is also important. I say scenery. That's probably not your background, your backdrop. It, it looks interesting. If you guys ever watch Peter McKinnon, who's, I'm a big nerd of Peter McKinnon, I watch his YouTube videos. He talks so much about the scenic look of your video. And do you have bokeh in the back? I think I'm saying that right. And, you know, some under lighting and bokeh, bokeh, it's all the same. But I think you have a beautiful set. So tell us a little bit about how to make our shot interesting. Um, so people like, think it's, a, you know, like we're in a cool place. Yeah, so it's important for, there's a few things. One, you'll notice like for my shot, I'm kind of directly in the middle of these uh, these sound uh, absorbent panels that are on my walls. I'll tell you what, that's a big thing too for audio, having some good sound absorption. People don't hang anything on their walls and it just sounds like they're in a bathroom. And it's so, for me, I can't even be in a room like that. I'm like, it, it destroys me. So anyways, that's just sub tip, sub little tip. But I have a lot of little balancing 
items that are leading people to look at me. I'm having these leading lines that are uh, leading people to look directly at me. Um, and with any sort of image, a big thing is a contrast, right? Separating yourself from your background and making sure that I see a lot of people filming on a wall because they're like, oh yeah, like a blank wall. And I'm like, that is probably the most destructive type of content that you could film of yourself when you're just on this blank wall, there's nothing interesting in the background. Now for me, I had a whole bunch of garbage. Like I had my my printer was like right over there where that light is. Um, and I had like a couple things on top of it just before and I was setting up the set and I'm like, well, I don't want anything back there that someone's like, what's he got over there? What is that? Is that a, hmm, what is, and I don't want anyone asking that. I want something that's clean, not very distracting. I think my guitar is interesting or having like, you know, some plants in the background, it's, it's nice and interesting. So for a good set, if you're gonna film yourself, have a good depth of field between yourself and your background. I've probably got a good seven feet, eight feet, uh, maybe 10 feet behind my chair and the wall behind me. Um, and then to create bokeh, um, it's about having that separation. Bokeh, fun fact, just means blur in Japanese. Um, and so they kind of invented that. Bokeh is the, the little blurriness that you get in the background. Or like if you have, um, if you're on, uh, the portrait mode on your iPhone, that blurry background, that's called bokeh. Um, and uh, if you have a decent lens, I, I'm a big fan of, and we'll talk, we'll probably talk about that a little bit later, but um, I'm a big fan for equipment wise. Um, if you have a, a good lens on a decent camera, it's gonna do much better than a great camera with a really bad lens. Um, you can get, you know, decent little, you know, poor lenses, but some of them just destruct your image a lot. And when your bokeh isn't like a perfect little circle, it doesn't look very good for me. It's not as appealing and soft, so. Little things like that. A good lens with a decent camera. You 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 date your camera bodies, but you marry your lenses. Oh. Um, yeah, they stay with you. <laughs> you date your camera bodies, you marry your lenses. Well, and I think they're really good ones are quite pricey. I think there's probably somewhere in between for our, our amateur or novice people who are filming. Um, we have a, a dual setup here to do different angles, but I think there's a lot to be said for looking at your set, your lighting, if it's interesting or not, if you have good audio. And I think once you've nailed that, because I will tell you, you know, we do this so much here. We've nailed it once and you just replicate it over and over again. You don't have to keep rethinking about it all the time. It's like, this is our set. We know where things go. We can get it set up in 10 minutes and we're off to the races. So for those of you hearing this thinking, my gosh, that's like a long list of things. Nail it once and then replicate it over and over again. It's like a scale, if you will. Peter McKinnon, actually, um, he had a recent video that he talked about that. And he has two modes for his current setup because he has this new studio or whatever. And he has light mode and he has dark mode. He has one where he opens the windows and one's where he closes the windows, basically. <laughs> and it's the same exact position, same exact leading lines that are going towards his face, same exact interesting background, but just the lighting's a little bit different. That's the only change that he's even willing to make on his content. Well, there you go. And he's like, he's like the guy that we all, that we all watch. So what do you see when you think about, you know, we're both kind of, we nerd out on this. We like this topic a lot, but if you're looking at the average YouTube channel right now in our industry and aesthetics, the average Instagram channel, what are the pitfalls that you're seeing that if you could just quickly change someone or give them a piece of advice could basically revolutionize what they're putting out there? I would say, now this is an interesting piece of advice because I would say this isn't, this is less about content and more about business, but I would say the biggest pitfall that I'm seeing for people's content is they are creating content with no plan creating tons and tons of beautiful content with absolutely no plan of execution. And when you do that, like, so for example, I was just, uh, I was doing uh, my lecture actually for Face It Virtual, plug uh, Face It Virtual, and I was 
talking about statistics where people will upload a video to YouTube and just hope that it goes viral because it's just, you know, they filmed it and it's that good. Um, there are 20 trending videos a day on YouTube's, uh, you know, little trending page. And uh, there are 300,000 videos uploaded daily. That gives you about a 0.00006% chance of going viral just because you posted, right? Just because you posted, you don't deserve to go viral just because your content looks beautiful. Your content should look good because once it does go viral, people are going to want to watch it and they want to share it. Um, But if you have no plan of action, you have no real support for why you're creating this content, then it's just art at that point. And it's not really content that's supporting your business. And so that's one of the biggest pitfalls I've seen and even experienced with some of our clients where they will say, oh, I'm going to do this. We need to create this, Jared. And I'm like, awesome. Like, no problem. And then I'll make it and I'll charge them a good amount of money. And then afterwards, they're like, we, uh, that didn't, that didn't do what we wanted it to do. And I'm like, why not? They're like, well, it didn't go viral. And I was like, what was your virality plan? And they're like, what, what do you mean by virality plan? Things don't just go viral? I'm like, no, there's a huge plan in place anytime somebody makes content go viral. There's a huge marketing side to things. And so I find the biggest pitfall for people is they don't understand the other half of planning and knowing here's my business goals, here are my goals for whatever this marketing campaign is, now let's drop five grand, seven grand on some excellent content you know, that looks beautiful and cinematic to support it. Now that we know our methods of distribution, now that we know where we're putting it or the ads that we're going to be putting out or the or the demographics, for goodness sake, that we're reaching. If we don't know our demographics, you know, and we make this huge, let's say we make we make this beautiful video and we say, you know, what, I'm really into trees right now. It's like, awesome. OK, great. Let's do like this guy walk through the woods. He like chops down a tree. He's sweating. He takes some water and then he goes back and he just relaxes in his cabin. It's like, that's a beautiful video. Let's do it. We film it, and it's like, what's this for, by the way? They're like, oh, it's for uh, ladies' uh, detergent, laundry detergent. I'm like, you should not have made that content for them. You should have thought through your plan first. What's your demographic? Who are you shooting for? And then let's appeal to them. So I think the biggest pitfall for me in people's content is that they, they do not think through why they're making it before they make it. When I think YouTube, too, you've got to do so much on YouTube. You have to be connected to your Twitter and your this and your that. And there's all these words and things like the, to optimize a YouTube video is pretty intense. Like you've got to think through a lot of stuff. So I think they're, you know, I'll, you know, in full transparency with AR, we build a lot of YouTube content for our users, customers to learn our system without the thought of like a, you know, a viral plan, because it's really focused on our particular end user. However, in doing that, we'd love to be able to get more eyeballs on them, but the work it takes to make YouTube really optimized is insane. And, you know, to your point, we're, you know, we're a pretty small house as far as who's all doing the marketing in our company. So it's like a thing we out, we have to outsource, right? We have a third party person who looks at it, does it, fixes it. Places like Fiverr, Upwork, that's what they do all day long is just optimize videos. We're having to look at other people to help us because I don't have the capacity for it. So to your point, if you're going to spend a lot of money on content and build beautiful content, you got to have a plan or it's just like a really pretty piece of, you know, video you put online. It doesn't really have a good purpose long term. And for you guys, I would say that you guys definitely clearly have a plan. You guys are absolutely supporting your your audience with that. And you're not necessarily looking for virality with the content that you're creating. You're looking to support your business. And I'll tell you what, too. This is a fun little trick about uh, YouTube. YouTube is actually a major, major SEO hack 
for search engine optimization. YouTube is a huge, because what happens is when people Google things, whether it's, let's say, let's say we've got a dermatologist in Texas or a dermatologist in Dallas that, uh, that has a YouTube channel. If every single video that they make says dermatologist in Dallas discusses blank, dermatologist in Dallas discusses blank, dermatologist in Dallas discusses blank, dermatologist in Dallas, just 50 videos of them talking about whatever or doing an injection or whatever, but it starts with dermatologist in Dallas, guess who's popping up the second somebody Googles dermatologist in Dallas? That guy. So Um, true. Which is a super excellent hack. There's this awesome lady named Deborah Darris that I uh, learned this, I saw this trick from, I, and I'd asked her about it after a conference. And I was like, are you doing this just to boost your SEO? She goes, yeah. She doesn't get crazy views on her videos, but she always posts like Latina motivational speaker discusses blank. And if you Google Latina motivational speaker, Deborah Darris is number one. Um, so a little like SEO hack uh, to, to optimize your YouTube channel, whether, so there's the virality content where if you just like, oh, I want tons of people to see it. But then there's also just, hey, let me support my website. Let me support my business or the people that are going to be looking for me um, and dual purpose this stuff. What's interesting, because we started thinking about this, we have a, um, a TV channel called ARTV. We do a lot of small businesses doing big things and we do an Instagram, uh, an IGTV. And we were like, wait a minute, we should put that same clip or that same video on YouTube and then build a blog on our website and link the YouTube into it and then use like a sim rush tool to optimize the words on the blog. So you're getting to your point, one piece of good content across three domains. Plus I can post it in other channels. So now it's, you know, six, seven different platforms. So you've got to be able to think about build it again, just like your set, build it once and use it often. There's got to be some, you know, some options there. Yeah. And doing macro content and posting it in micro versions is so important. There's a Gary Vaynerchuk has the content model that he puts out. And really the, the idea is film large macro content. So you're looking at a 45 minute, like even this, even this uh, podcast that we're filming right now, you can put this on so many different channels, so many different clips of this. You can, you can last yourself for the next month or two on Instagram alone. If you just wanted to post po- uh, podcast content and people need to People need to create this large form content and just break it up into bits and post it out onto all of your other, you know, break up a nugget here and then post it onto your social media, break up a nugget here and post it onto your Facebook, break it up and post it onto your Twitter, but you've already got the content. You don't have to set it up again. One thing can last you for a long time. Well, I think you make such a great point about, about breaking things up. So I'm a huge content marketing fan in the perspective of training. So we do so much training in our company and we've really pushed a lot of our in-person training to online because it's just easier. You know, you don't have to wait for a person to physically train you. And we build a lot of these like micro learnings that are four and five minutes each quick. You know, you can watch them on the subway. You can watch them when you're, you know, when you're sitting in the car on the Uber, the Lyft, whatever. But I think that content that has a purpose to your point, training people, educating people, they're more inclined to watch it and find value in it and keep coming back to it for other things. Keep coming back to your channel, keep finding more value in it. A salesy pitch is not often the best, in my opinion, the best content marketing, giving people value that is separate from your, your marketing promotion message. It's just value content, I think is often a really good choice. So thinking about you personally, you're filming a lot of training right now. You're doing a lot of um, conferences and things. Walk us through, if I'm a trainer wanting to, to go online with my training academy or my injection academy, what are things I should be thinking about and how to produce that kind of content? So if you're looking to produce, so we're talking about like an online course, yeah? Yeah, online course. If I want to sell, you know, sell 30-minute courses or things, how does that need to be packaged and look for it to be really beneficial for the listener or the, or the learner? One is making sure that it's optimized for the learner. 
right? That's the biggest thing. The actual platform that you leverage is optimized for the learner, but there are some awesome hacks that you can use for that. So if you're looking to create an online course, I personally love using the platform teachable.com. And then what I will do um, is I'll use Teachable for the actual purchased platform that hosts the whole entire course. But for anything that leads up into their paywall, because I don't love Teachable's like actual web developer designer, it's so clunky and hard to use that we just design on our end using like a pro designer, a bunch of different, you know, paywalls or ad spaces or landing pages that take you to that page. So it's something that's beautifully designed that people can, you know, clearly be communicated to with. Um, and so Teachable is a great resource as far as like setting that up, number one. Number two, I would probably just have a decent little setup. Make sure that your audio is super, super, super clear, right? Get a decent camera. You can get, there's an awesome camera that I'm recommending people like crazy that just came out called the Sony ZV-1. And it literally, you don't even have to buy a lens for it. I think it's 600 bucks, 800 bucks. And it comes with a Zeiss lens built into it, which Zeiss is beautiful and i and it's an f 1.8 i think to 2.8 so it's this super low aperture lens that gives you that beautiful uh you know background and it's built for vloggers so if you're just filming an online course and you don't know what you're doing with the camera don't know what you're doing with ever sony zv1s are so killer to just pop up pop a light up pop a, a mic up hit record and you're good to go. Like you're not like, uh, how do I change this or change that or change whatever? Just hit record and you're good to go. So like I believe in um, A, especially especially if you are trying to create that that content from your perspective, people know who you are. You know? And so when they when when it's somebody who they know is not super technologically savvy, they're not expecting that. You know, for me, if I start putting out content that looks really broken up, really poor sets, really bad lighting, like even for this Zoom meeting, I was like, when uh, I think it was like 30 minutes or or 30 minutes before I was talking with my wife, I was like, we got to make sure that we set this up really nice to make sure because I am literally coming on as the CEO of really good content. (laughs) Like you can't, you can't, you don't have the opportunity to not have good looking content there, but you have a little more leeway. Uh, when, you know, people don't have that expectation on you. So it gives you a little more grace to create. And with online courses, just create it. Just create it and put it out. You can, just like a YouTube channel, you can keep updating it. Keep updating it and getting it better and better and better. Put out something that's simple in the beginning and then update it in four months, update it in three months, update it in five months, you know, or update it once a week. Just film another course every single week and see what the people that are watching want. You know, so my big thing for people is just get out and do it, you know, get out and do it and improve it as you go. But don't be so paralyzed by, oh, I don't know how to use a camera. I don't know how to use a light. I don't know how to use a mic. It's like, then you're done. You're crippled. You know, you can't yeah. just, you can't just deserve, you don't deserve to cross the finish line if you're not willing to run, you know? Um, and so just because your leg hurts or your toe hurts or you don't know how to run properly, like learn, you know, get on, get on the page, but you don't have, you don't have to learn how to use like this crazy professional stuff. You can use something that communicates with you. So those Sony's are killer. The Sony ZV-1s, a good little mic. I use this Zoom. Those podcasting mics are great. I use a Zoom a lot. Um, you, there's like a nice little mic on there that you can record with as well as I've seen a couple other people that um, that use that on YouTube too. Um, I'm spacing on his name, but I'll, I'll probably remember it later. I can par- Daniel Schiffer is who he uses a, um, a Zoom. He literally just holds it like a microphone and talks into it because he's like, I don't have to buy a crazy mic. He doesn't have to. Um, you know, because he just has a little, I think the Zoom was 100 bucks. You have you have a $100 Zoom, you have a, a $80 light, and you have one light, by the way, not 50 lights around me, one. I have this light, and then I have my window as my backlight. And then that's just a texture. That's not even touching me. Um, 
and then maybe an $800 camera, you're looking at maybe a thousand bucks for a beautiful setup of investment into a course that could make you hundreds of thousands of dollars. That you can sell over and over again and make a name for yourself and become an industry thought leader. And I think about Shino Bay, you mentioned Shino Bay earlier. You want to get that level of, of fandom and this in our current reality You've got to do something like that. You've got to be different because there are so many great injectors, so many great clinicians, dermatologists, you know, plastic surgeons, med spas, whatever right now, that if you want to be different and rise to the top, you're going to have to be better in some way. So I think that the bar is a little bit higher now than maybe it was when Rajani and Shino kind of started getting their, you know, their fandom. fandom. I look at some of Rajani's old videos, God love Anil Rajani, because I, I do with my whole heart some of his stuff. I'm like, how did that ever go viral? But there was nothing else out there. And now he's obviously, you know, he's grown with the times and his videos now are so much, you know, so much better. But when he started doing them on, you know, on YouTube, there was nothing else. Like he was the only one. So uh, we've kind of watched him evolve to see how content is evolving and training is evolving as we go to. So, so I'm going to take a quick transition from thinking about our YouTube channel and our content channel to thinking about um, what you said about just getting it done. So we have a mutual friend, Gretchen Freeling, who's a doctor in Massachusetts. And she always says, if it takes, if you're more than 80% sure of a decision, you've waited too long to make it. Um, and I'm a big believer that if you wait till it's perfect, it will never get done. So sometimes done is better than perfect. And I think, you know, what you're saying about just our content channels, that's, I think that's a great, you know, a great point is just go do it, go do something. Um, so we were just talking a little bit about makeup and our off time here and about things for the camera. Give us a couple of quick pointers as a guy that shoots video all day, every day about how we look good for the camera. Yeah. Number one, uh, girls do your makeup. There's a big difference between having your makeup done and not for camera because camera is just going to pick up everything. I mean, if you're on a zoom, maybe you have some grace, but if you are getting filmed by a 4k camera, 6k camera, do your makeup, (laughs) do your makeup, make sure that your hair looks nice because it all just gets picked up. And there's a drastic, dramatic difference between, um, and, and I would even overdo your makeup. That's the other thing is that with makeup, I would even encourage people to go just a little bit too much. Make sure that your eyes look dramatic. We don't want these, you know, beady eyes. You want something that feels bright and feels like it's reflecting the light, uh, you know, excellently into the camera. Um, and then make sure, make sure, 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 especially if you're oily, have some mattifying powder on hand. Um, there's a great one. Jane Iredale has a great one um, that uh, we used to use back at Shino Bay all the time. And uh, I, I literally order it to this day because it's so perfect. It's literally just called, I think it's called just Matt. I think it's called Jane Iredale Matt. Um, I'll find the exact name for you. And Laura Mercier has a great one too. Laura Mercier, she has an amazing mattifying powder as well. And I also like the little blotting, um, the little olive oil, is it clean and clear, the little blotting strips, I think are great for men who become a little too overpowdered. You can also do a little blot blot if you get a little too oily. Yeah, I would blot I would blot a little bit just to get rid of the oil, but then I would put the powder back over it to smooth out that surface um, 100%. Because I've used the, those, the blotting things was my first idea when I had an oily subject. And I was like, ah, oh, shoot, uh, we got to get rid of the oil. So I got rid of the oil. However, the surface was still shiny, even though the oil was gone. And so I was like, okay, now that the oil is actually gone, mattify it a little bit, put some powder on. Um, and guys, don't be afraid of makeup too. Yes. Having some good, we just shot, we shot yesterday for that face it virtual thing. And we shot for probably like an hour, but just beforehand I told Monica, I was like, Hey, my wife, Monica, um, uh, just put a little bit of makeup on my face just to smooth me out, mattify me down and all that stuff. Um, so don't be too proud of that. You want to look good. You know, you want to look good on camera. You will look, you will look older and you will look more tired if you do not do your makeup and have good powder on. Um, hair too, you know, I did my hair for probably two hours before this shoot. Uh, 
Uh, Those of you who are listening, Jared has no hair. If you're not <laughs> seeing us, I know you woke up like that. My hair is like a bouffant. I've got hair everywhere, so much hair. So, <laughs> yes, for me, it's a lot of work. You know, I think it's, you said about men, I think one thing that's interesting, and this is for females and males, do your eyebrows. Nothing is worse than seeing a non-framed face, and eyebrows are everything on camera. I come from a bit of a pageant background, and without eyebrows, you would never go on stage. I think that's a big one. And then secondly, brighten your eyes. If you have dark circles underneath, the shadow of a light box or a soft box or even a ring light at times gives you really dark underneath circles. Make sure that you have something to brighten up your eyes. Because I think in a video, I mean, even looking at, if you guys are watching this on YouTube or even just listening in, if your eyes are something that's not the focal point of your face, you need to make it that way because that's the, the perfect line for the camera to look at you. So I'm all about your eyebrows and brightening up your eyes. So men, that includes you. Big fan. Okay, so we know we got to get our makeup done, get our hair done. And for the ladies who are thinking about, you know, I want to do content a lot, go take a makeup class. Again, I grew up kind of in the pageant world, so you learn to do your makeup when you're very, very young for the stage because you do it yourself all the time. So I learned makeup early on. It was the best investment I ever made. Go take a quick makeup class and learn how to do it for stage. And then your hair, anything you can curl and tease. I live in Texas. Looks good on camera. <laughs> well, it's true. Okay, so we know now a little bit more about our videography and our, our video and things to do. I want to transition to platforms. So you're doing content, you mentioned in the beginning, across graphics. Um, for Instagram, you're doing websites, you're doing videos. If I have a finite amount of time and money to spend, how do I manage all these platforms, make really good content, get it out there, and make it successful or have you know lots of eyeballs on it? Where do I spend the time and the money? Yeah, I would say, I would say two things to that. One, uh, make sure that you're investing into macro content because that will really ease the burden of creating content for Instagram, content for Twitter, content for Facebook, content for whatever. Um, and then for the most part, I think right now, everybody's pretty you know, popping onto Instagram, which is great because it's trendy and people are moving onto TikTok, which is awesome too. But I'll say the biggest traction that I see people getting for their business is Facebook still. Facebook still has the most robust ad platform. It has the most robust uh, community building and developing software that as old school as it may sound, Facebook's actually where you get the biggest bang for your buck for platforms. Um, so with Facebook for their ad targeting uh, technology is way, 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 way better. Plus you can repost onto Instagram and Facebook at the same time. So it's not too big of a, a miss. Um, now, should people be on Instagram? Yes, because that's a big, you know, it's a big deal. You should make sure that you're posting onto there. But if you've only got time, you can only do one platform and you can only do, you know, as far as marketing goes, if it's brand development, because, you're probably going to hear a rainstorm over in uh, uh, over here. We have a tropical storm coming in. Um, if it is if if it is marketing moves that you're making, I'd invest heavily into Facebook personally, just because the ads are coming cheap and they get you results. Um, Instagram, not as much. People scroll right past pretty quickly, and Facebook, you're you're trained to engage with almost each post because every post is written. Right for the most part, a lot of posts are written, so you're stopping, reading, stopping, reading. You know to check the next one. Check the next one. Instagram, you're swiping until you find the thing that just hits you in the face. So I've found that Facebook is really, really excellent. Now, what I will say is that what people don't realize about the platforms is that your Instagram presence, your Facebook presence, your Twitter presence, um, but mostly I would say your Instagram and your Facebook presence, um, they're like the digital storefront to your business. And what happens is I've run into tons of businesses that are like, hey, nobody wants to come to our business because they think our Instagram sucks. And I look at their Instagram, I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't come. Like, it doesn't look cute. 
you know, you are a cute med spa. And if your Instagram doesn't look cute, I'm not coming, you know? Nor, nor is any girl in, in, the, in, in your area. Um, it's so important to realize that people are like, oh, well, why should I invest money into social media management? Or why should I invest money into a staff member to run it? It's like, because you're losing money if you don't have it. You're losing lots. Lots of people are gonna see your stuff, even if you boost yourself on Facebook, boost yourself on Instagram. Just make sure that you have something that looks pretty, communicates consistently, you have a clear brand, right? You're not just like super rainbows right here and then all of a sudden you're black and white and then you're super rainbows, black and white, and then all it's just everything all over the place and it's trying this thing or trying that thing. Like have a very consistent branded feel. Aesthetic Record's very, very good at that that I found. They Aesthetic Record is excellent mm -hmm. at keeping a consistent voice, a consistent look throughout everything. Even with, uh, I remember when you guys sent over the uh, PowerPoint to Dr. Aguilera for, uh, for your conference for Aesthetic Next, and it looked, it was perfectly branded, and I was like, man, like, you guys inspired me. Literally, I remember seeing that and being like, gosh, these guys are on it because you guys know how to keep a consistent voice and a consistent brand presence. And that's the big difference I've found between uh, companies that win and lose. And you'll find that the companies that are brand centric on, and this is going way on a tangent of, of your initial social media question, but companies that are brand centric make over 200, companies that are brand centric, let me, let me clarify, Brand centric that are on the Forbes 400 list uh, or Forbes 100 make over 200% more when they focus consistently on brand. So you think like, oh, what are the biggest brands you know about? People are like, well, Apple. It's like Apple outperforms everybody else. Ford, Ford outperforms everybody else. You think about these people, it's because they're brand centric and they developed a name, a face, they develop a voice, they develop a look, and they've inserted themselves into society. And if you don't do that, people won't trust you. Because all this, because you're a different person every time they see you. If they, if they can't trust you, they're not going to do business with you. You have just spoken to my heart in so many ways. First of all, thank you for saying we do a good job. I think you mentioned the word voice, and I work tirelessly for our company to develop the voice. We're a little bit whimsical with the professional flair, but we also want to be like kind of that, you know, badass feel too. So, you know, we, we've got a very defined voice for our company, and that was one of the first things I did when I came here is like change the voice, change the story, because you have to have a story, right? Every brand needs a story, a guide to carry the customer through from point A to point B. So I think if you don't have a story for your brand, start there. But I love what you said about having an Instagram that matches your storefront, because I find the opposite to be true a lot. They have an amazing Instagram. Then you, sh then you show up and you're like, wait a minute, am I in the twilight zone? This can't be what I just saw. Because their Instagram is so well thought out. They've hired an exec, you know, they've hired an, an, a person like you to do it. It looks great. Then the patient experience in the clinic is nothing like the brand promise. So be cautious on the other end too, to promise one thing that's, you know, phenomenal, amazing. And then your in-person experience doesn't doesn't match. So it can really go either way there, Jared, to hurt you. Right. I agree. If you have an awesome Instagram presence, but your service is terrible, you're going to lose 100% of the time. And I think, I think what you said about Facebook is so important, too, because I, I think about um, co the comments, right? So if you post something on Facebook, people ask really insightful questions like, let's say it's injections. How much did you use? Did it hurt? Should you be numbed? You know, they're asking a lot of questions. On Instagram, you get a heart emoji. You know, you get like, it's a much different response from the customer. I think Facebook, to your point, a patient's really engaging with the clinic. Instagram, they're loving your before and after. They're loving the, they're, the content is what they're focusing on, not the story behind it or the meaning behind it, like they do on Facebook. So I'm glad you said Facebook is still alive, but the most engaged channel of all is still YouTube. I think the average adult goes there in some way through some means, like almost every single day. So 
I'm watching at least probably an hour of content on YouTube, whether I'm studying or whether it's entertainment, but I'm watching at least an hour to an hour and a half a day of like YouTube content in general, whether I'm learning something. I was literally like, I was typing up my notes this morning and thinking through kind of what we were going to talk about today. And I had um, this tech, this tech podcast on that was on YouTube, which big note, I love podcasts that are video as well as available on like the podcasting yes. app because I like seeing the people's faces personally. I think it's just in a, there's a, there's a human element about things like that that are just important to me. And I think it's very important to a lot of viewers. They like seeing the people that they're hearing from. Um, Cause that's usually if I'm on a podcast or if I'm listening to a podcast, that's usually the first thing I do when I, if I pull over, I'm Googling what this person looks like. I'm like, man, what does that guy look like? He's got a funny laugh or he's got a whatever. I'm look, I'm looking at his face most of the time. So having excellent video content to go along with your podcasting is important. Anyways, side note. Now, and to your point, that's like the macro content idea, because now this podcast, for instance, will put it on all the podcast channels, but also on YouTube, because now we have video. We can take this same content, chop it into bits and pieces, and do you know additional campaigns and marketing pieces around what we're learning today, because we have really good video. So if you're already going to do it, just do the video. It's not that much more work. And to your point, I like to see. So if you're a podcast host, it's also much better, because to see your guests and talk to them back and forth is a lot easier than talking to a camera only. So it makes it a little bit better. All right, so we're going to keep on trucking here. This is going to be a loaded question, Jared, loaded question. Do I outsource all my production to an outside agency or a marketing group, or do I try to nail it in-house? Um, so I, I would think there's a couple different things for that. One, it could come down to finances, but I believe that companies, when they're first starting out, should 100% outsource their branding and all of that stuff. They should not stress. I find way too many business owners that are adamantly like, I have to create, I have to manage the Instagram. I have to create the content. I have to do this. I have to do that. I'm like, what's your job though? They're like, well, I'm the main injector. And I'm like, go inject. That's what makes you money. You managing your Instagram maybe brings in some patience, but you could outsource that. That will bring it in probably more because they're not doing two jobs like you're doing. Uh, and you'll be able to inject more patients. Like do that. And they're like, well, I have a lot of free time because I'm not injecting patients. I'm like, it's probably because you're not doing a good job on your Instagram. Like <laughs> this sounds like that's your main problem. And so my big thing is, is make sure that you have a solid. Now, if you have a solid team in house because you are just crank, like with aesthetic record, I mean, I'm sure you guys probably outsource things here and there, but you have some solid team members that are also creating content that are dynamic, that are available, that can respond to something that's immediate, that can put out a quick graphic. If, you know, maybe something goes down with AR, which AR never goes down for the record. Um, but for if something record, does go down, if a service goes down, then they can put up a graphic really quick and send out an e-blast to people. Like you have a team that's built for that. Um, now, when you're first starting out, just do the stuff that makes you money. You know, just do the stuff that makes your business money and then outsource everything else. There's, I don't believe there's a need to have an in-house team for a long time in a business until it's pretty, pretty big. You know, like I could manage a lot of the stuff um, with like, I could, I could manage a lot of the stuff with RGC with really good content, which if I ever say RGC, that's because I'm referencing our company. Um, I could manage a lot of the stuff with RGC, but I brought on employees because I need to build our business because we're not making money if I'm not building our business. If I'm not communicating with new clients, if I'm not building new systems um, for our company, then we're sunk. We're sunk because I'm focusing on a social media post. No, like that's a waste. That's an absolute waste of time. Um, now, will I create content? Yes. Like I film content at least once a week for our social media. And we have this whole plan that we're building out for the next eight months, which is awesome. Um, and, uh, we do these things called like 20 second tips and all that stuff where I'm filming. Um, but 
for me as a business owner, I'm absolutely wasting my time if I am, if I am creating all of the content and thinking through all the content that we need to put out. I need to outsource it. Even though I'm the CEO of really good content, I know I need to build my business. I know that that's a waste of time for me to think about it. So especially if I'm going to go to these business owners and say, hey, you know, you've got, you have too many things available to you uh, to make money on for you to waste your time with it, with a, with branding yourself. You need to give it over to another company. That would be absolutely hypocritical if I was the, that boss that was nitty gritty on my employees. Like, no, 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 I got to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm doing that. Um, I'd be, a, I'd be an absolute hypocrite. So I'm going to, you know, I'll tell clients like, that's what I do. Like our team manages our whole entire brand. Like I don't have time to manage that. You're the doctor, you're the injector. You need to focus on building your business and injecting your patients. Like that's your biggest thing. There's two functions I believe that are not gonna be outsourced ever. Creativity and connection. I think those are the two things that robots will never do. They can't. They can't connect and they can't create. So I believe that eventually we'll have tons of systems that are creating things for us that are like that are that are doing really quick little creative things for us, but we're ideating the content and we're connecting with our customers. Like that's the beautiful world that I see in the future where business is practically automated and our only job is to connect with our customers and to express ourselves creatively. Um, you know, because down the road, like you, don't, you shouldn't have to worry about that stuff. That's how we use Canva here. We love Canva because it automates a lot of the design, but we have to still have the idea. We have to still do all the proofreading and the content and the voice and, and put the Instagram post up and all those things. But Canva, there are some hacks, you know, that we use internally just because it's easier. But I think to your point, people underestimate the opportunity cost of their time. If you think about what you make per hour as a business owner or what you lose per hour if you're not focused on growing the business and extrapolate that amount out over the week or the month or even the year, you have a full-time salary there, I promise. You have a full-time salary for somebody who is actually able to focus on your media, either as an outsourced agency or in-house, who can respond to your Instagram posts, who can respond to your Facebook posts, who can be attentive to your DMs and, and, and keep the engagement going. Because Instagram is not just about what you're putting out. It's about how you engage with everybody else around you as well. So there's like this additional layer to it. So I, I think that, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a, an opportunity for us to all think about, is our time worth more and our business growth worth more than doing Instagram posts all day? And the answer I promise you is yes for, for almost all of us. Huge, huge proponent too of do not hire your random front desk person to do your Instagram. Correct. Do not pick your, your accountant to do your Instagram. You either hire somebody to do your Instagram or you hire an agency, right? Because, or your Instagram or your content or whatever it is, because I believe that bad content costs you three times more than good content ever will. I believe that two things, if you're hiring, if you're saying, so front desk girl is answering the phones, but you're also having her manage social media, what's she doing? She's answering phones, then she's doing this, then she's answering phones, then she's doing this. You're paying for that time probably over two, three weeks. You have paid more for that employee to make that post or video than you would have ever paid an agency. I've worked with way too many people that are like, oh, no, no, I'm going to have this person do it and this random person, this random person do it. And it's like, but I'm already paying, you know, I'm already paying them. So it's fine. It's like, yeah, but you're wasting so much money on non-professionals when our agency can make it so much faster and so much better, you know? And so the thing for people is that they will, they will, they'll hire their random person that's like, oh yeah, that's the one that's going to do our Instagram. And I'm like, pay somebody and stop wasting money. Like, and yes, they they're have deliverables. Time. They have accountability. They have timelines. They have deadlines. They they have to produce results or else you don't keep, you know, keep paying for them. Front desk girl has none of that because she's too busy answering phones and helping out in the clinic and cleaning bathrooms and sanitizing. And yeah, I couldn't agree And you're more. paying for her learning curve. That's the worst thing yep. for me is you're, you're paying for your employee's learning curve. If you're like, hey, make this awesome, beautiful video look like it looks like for the masterclass company. It's like, 
you're telling an employee that's never had camera experience, they're going to study for two, three weeks on your dime, right? To make that. And you're going to be paying their salary for two weeks. You should have just paid a company to do it. You know, that would have got it out quicker, better, um, because it's going to be their first time doing it. Um, and you're not stressing this person that their job is to be excellent for customer service. Yes. And the same applies to your website. Don't have, you know, your friend's daughter came home from college for the summer and she's going to build your website. No. Websites are where your SEO, your pay-per-click, all the things that you're doing with all of this, where it all comes to like the hub. So if your website's not really good, nothing else matters. You have to have a good website. I have so many friends who have incredible Instagrams and they don't have a website. Look, how do you function with that? You have to have a home base. Right. There's got to be a place to link all this stuff off from. Right. So I won't dive into that, but if you're hearing me right now, get a website if you don't have one. <laughs> well, Jared, you have been a phenomenal guest on our podcast. We have loved having you and talking with you about really good content. And I will note that he is an Anagram 7. I am. So, so he is a creative person. I'm an 8. I'm a bit of a challenger. So it's been fun to have my kind of over-the-topness and your creative mind here all together today. So check out his company. It's called Really Good Content. Uh, you'll see him all over the industry now speaking at various conferences and talking about, you know, more of the, the best practices that he and his wife have really cultivated and shared with the whole with the whole industry. So we've loved having you and thank you so much for all of your brilliant insight today. And we will we'll hopefully see you somewhere in, on the circuit very, very soon. You will. You'll see me. I'll be out there. Well, for the record, this has been a fantastic session on how to make great video, graphics, audio, websites and all things content related. So we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of For the Record. This podcast is not intended to provide legal or medical advice. It's for entertainment, education, and information purposes only. For more information on this week's guest or to get started with Aesthetic Record, email us at info at aestheticrecord.com. Be sure to tune in next week for more fresh perspectives on disrupting the status quo and surviving in the aesthetics industry.